On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. One-of-a-kind opinions, big-name guests, the teams you care about every, every, every day. It's the Ron Johnson Show, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Welcome to the Ron Johnson Show, and I am your host, Ron Johnson. My producer today is going to be Sam Ekstrom, always with me back there backstage as we bring Sam in. Today's show, we're going to have some fun. We got Audra Martin, the awesome Audra Martin from Bally Sports. She's going to talk to us about the Twins, the Wild, and her love of the power trip or her hate of it. Um, We're also going to talk Twins because... I mean, the Twins are actually doing well right now. It's it's. I'm scared to become a fan, Sam, because I've become a fan of the Timberwolves, and then they let me down. I've been a fan now of the Vikings, and I continue now to just get my hopes up. And then, you know, I think they're going to go 11 and five. I think they're going to go 12 and five, and all of a sudden, eight and nine, nine and eight, seven and nine. So now it's the Wild. I've been watching the Wild. They faltered. The Twins, 14 and nine. What are they going to do in the next 10 games? But let's talk about the Wild. They won home ice, and that was the key. Everybody thought home ice was going to be the answer. But then the question became, who's behind the pipes? And no, not, not Aretha Franklin, not Mariah Carey, <laughs> not those pipes. We're talking about the pipes on that ice, right in that little blue area. I watched a scrum, by the way, in the blue area last night, and I can't remember. I think it was the, the, the blues must have covered up. And every single person, it was just about every single person was inside that blue area trying to push the ball into the net or the ball, sorry, the the puck into the net. And they, you know, they blew the whistle and then you see some sticking, you see some guys kind of jarring, you see some guys like, you know, acting like they didn't mean to hit a guy and they swing their stick and you see the ref trying to break everybody up. Uh, players looking like they're about to fight. My wife is like, she hates hockey now because after watching that game, uh, she not hate, she she thinks they're jerks because every play or every time is always a push. And I'm like, I'm trying to explain, like, that's that's enforcer. That's what they do. They're trying to intimidate. They're trying to, you know, lay on somebody, tire them out, put their body weight on them, get them out quicker. 90 seconds, you got to get them out fast because they're tired, they're gas. I see guys losing sticks. But Sam, this is the, my problem. We talked about the big stars, Kaprizov. Fiala, all these big stars, Dumba, and nobody really did anything. We know there were some uh, situations of rebounds because I tweeted out about it. I think it was at 3-0, and I tweeted out as a novice. I was honest, and I love the responses because nobody really treated me like a rookie. They just were explaining like, hey, I don't know if they're getting outskated. Um, The puck's just not bouncing their way, or I don't know if so-and-so is playing bad. I think we're just not, not, we're not as aggressive in the creases. And so as I start to look back, I'm like, oh, okay, I kind of see what you're saying. Like, so now you're saying it's bad luck. We're just unlucky. Like, they got all the bounces. We did not. Um, 4-0 loss to me, that's demoralizing. Um, home ice, so they get to play again Wednesday night here in Minnesota. It is the state of hockey. But, Sam, if they lose this game Wednesday, <laughs> I personally, I picked the Wolves in, five, in six. That's going to be hard. Like, they're going to have to rattle off four games in a row to even do that, for one. Um, and then they're going to have to muster up the energy now because they're going to have to play must-win hockey. What is your thoughts? Like, Cam Talbot, Fleury, I know that was the whole discussion I've always gone with. Leave your guys that have gotten you here in the game. But they thought Flower was the guy. What do you think? 
Yeah, so here's the deal on that. This was allegedly a competition. They alternated these guys back mm -hmm. and forth, alternating starts for two months. But they didn't honor the results of the competition. Talbot was the better goalie. I mean, if you look at the April stats, got them right here. So this is the last mm -hmm. month of the season. Talbot, 2.4 goals a game allowed, 91% save percentage. Flurry, 3.01 goals per game allowed, 90% save percentage. He was not as good as Talbot. His goals mm -hmm. allowed in April, 4, 4, 3, 4, 3, 5, 2, 1. I mean, that's a lot of goals. He gave up 27 goals in April. So Talbot was the incumbent. He was on this team from the beginning. Mm -hmm. He hasn't lost a game in regulation in like two months. And he was the better goalie down the stretch. And I know that Flurry is a Stanley Cup winner. He beat the Wild as a member of the Vegas team last year. He's got the credibility. But mm -hmm. I've never known this coaching staff and this GM to, to go off of somebody's name. I mean, this right. is a team that, that you know, benched Zach Parisi last year. They benched Kevin Fiala last year when they weren't playing well or their attitude was bad. They cut Suter and Parisi. Like, they don't care at all about what your name is. They're right. more about results. So the fact that they went with the guy who, in my estimation, hasn't been playing as well, that's where I question the move. And to be honest, if they go with Talbot in game two, I think that's, that's the right move as well. Mm. Yeah, and and so I, I I agree with you on that. Like that's that's where I looked at. That's what I thought, honestly. I mean, and I know the the, the wild coaches don't look at Twitter, but from Twitter, the Twitter machine, as people would call it, um, Flurry was the like the name. Like everybody was tweeting Flurry and the flower emoji, and like Flurry was the name. And then everybody was so surprised when the acquisition happened because they're like, man, Kim Talbot. And this is where I'm going off of what people are saying. Kim Talbot's been playing fine. Um, you know, it's an embarrassment of riches to have two goaltenders of that caliber. You know, everybody was just so excited about Kaprizov and where he was going. Um, you know, the number of goals he was able to score, the number of points he was able to put up, the amount of ice time, you know, just everything. You know, he was he was a superstar. And, you know, I look at Sidney Crosby. That's the name that popped up in my head or, 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 or um P.K. Subban, you know, like those were names that when people say them, everybody's like, oh, and, and Kirill Kaprizov was headed, you know, he's heading there. Like he's heading for that, like, wow, this kid is really good. Um, but, the, but the Wild couldn't get it done. And so when you think about that, the mix up of, of Fleury being in there, maybe the team was just thinking like this guy's been there. He's a he's a captain. He's You know, it's like having Jordan on your team sometimes. You look at Jordan. Uh, I think it was the Hornets game one of the, the series when you if you watch it back with the, the Michael Jordan documentary, they lost the first game to the Hornets. And then the next, you know, locker room scene is Jordan with a bat in his hand and a cigar in his mouth. And he's he's talking about let's see what happens. Like they were talking junk to us up. They get tight. And they don't play well. Can Wild comp, you know, take advantage of that and then parlay that into winning on the road and then you know, trying to get, you know, steal two at, at on the road to, to come back up 3-1 and finish it at home in five. Now, that's that's my hope. I don't know if it's going to happen that way, but it's not saying that it can't happen that way because maybe this was the rude awakening because the Wild were playing for home ice, and I think they put so much energy in, energy into home ice, and I think we all did. We all put a lot of energy into home ice and how important that is. Same way the T Timberwolves put a lot of energy into that play in seven. Um can the Wild, though, recover from that energy to win home ice? 
and that 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 exertion and that thought process that we got to win home ice and now to realize we won home ice now what are we going to do with it i think that's going to be the key for this wild team if they can make that next step well coming up next we got the beautiful the awesome the smart audra martin from valley sports a friend of mine but first before we do that make sure you check out our daily show on locked on sports minnesota it's Superior Sports Talk with Care 11 Sports Director Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman. Here, Reggie and Luke go back and forth about the latest in sports five days a week. Find it on the Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcast. And welcome back to the Ron Johnson Show. We've had a lot of great guests so far in the past month. I mean, we've had NFL players. We've had draft picks. We've had all kinds of guys. We've had Spice Adams, you know, 2 million followers on social media, big time. But we've never had anybody with the personality of my next guest. We're going to bring in Audra Martin from Valley Sports North. Audra and I met uh, through this business, through media. Um, but what I did not know is when you see people on TV, oftentimes you think they're, I don't know, stuck up. Maybe I guess I'll say Audra is not that. Met her at the, uh, we hung out at the state fair. She's a fun uh, person. Me and my wife went out to the twins game and got a chance to chat with her there. And so I want to bring in Audra Martin. Audra, um, we're not going to talk twins right away. Let's talk what was on everybody's mind. Everybody just because I picked them. I picked the wild in six. Everybody's picking the wild in five, six. Even some people I heard on uh, ESPN yesterday was seven before the game, of course. You know, it's going to change today for some people's minds. But four to nothing. And yes, some of the the, the, the goals were rebounds. Uh, but Cam Talbot, Talbot didn't get the start. And I think that's what the question was. Was it going to be Flurry or Flower, as they call him, or Talbot? And he went with Flurry. I said Talbot because he's been there. Um, I said he's been on the team, and I and I go to the Mighty Ducks with this. When I said I looked at the Mighty Ducks, uh, they let, let they let the big dude who had been there, you know, start off. But then at the at the hot time of the game, they bought in the cat, and she came in and helped them win the shootout. And so I thought that could work for Flurry. Bring him in when there's a key time. But let Talbot started out. He's been you know the got your goaltender on the team. Is this loss a prelude to a breakdown in Minnesota sports, like the ghost of? of NFC North championships, missed field goals, uh, bad beats on the basketball court, or is this just a, a kind of a hiccup and then they'll get it going again? Well, first of all, uh, I want to say thank you for that introduction. You're making me blush over here. I can say the same thing about you. You are awesome. And it's been fun to kind of get to know you over the years. So thanks so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, appreciate second it. of all, you just got huge points with me that you referenced <laughs> Mighty Ducks too, because that is my all-time favorite movie. I love Julie the Cat Gaffney. It's just oh, one of the yeah. moments in sports movie history. So that's awesome. Props to you. Um, in, in regards to the game last night, uh, I mean, I will admit, that's not what I was expecting. I wasn't feeling great about a win just because this matchup is, uh, you know, expected to be so tight. The blues are a great team. Um, I was expecting a tighter battle. Um, yes, the goaltending topic has been quite the talker the last couple of weeks. It's been interesting on wild live to even speculate. We've tried not to, because there's just no way to know. And it's like Dean Evison has said so many times, there's not really a bad choice. 
Um, you just, you know, you never know what's going to happen between the pipes on any given night. I think last night, though, you know, it wasn't that Marc-Andre Fleury played bad. He didn't have a whole lot of help. I mean, when you're looking you know, on the score sheet, it says two power play goals. But really, let's be honest, it was three. That one was just after the power play uh, expired. Um, no excuses. He'd be the first person to tell you that he should have had all of those saves. Um, but I think that, you know, when you look at the big picture of the game last night, there just there were a lot of things that needed work. Obviously, special teams is a problem. It hasn't been one of the strengths of this team all season long. But the other thing that was kind of glaring to me was the fact that you needed some of your big superstar guys to be your big superstar guys. We didn't see anything from Kirill Kaprizov. We didn't see anything from Kevin Fiala. You know, I think uh, Jules Eriksson-Eck had a good, gritty, um, intense game. We saw him have some huge hits. He hit the post. We can also mention the post. I mean, the Wild hit four posts. That's just bad <laughs> luck any way that you look at it. Um, and Billy Huso was impressive. He did not look like a rookie netminder who had never played in the postseason before. Uh, I think a lot of people were having flashbacks to the last time we saw the Blues when the Wild were hot and had home ice advantage, and then they ran into a hot goaltender in Jake Allen. So I, you know, I'm not too concerned. I think Marcus Foligno brought up a really good point last night after the game. You know, it's the first game they lost. There's no reason to panic. Look at what happened last year. They went and played Vegas, and they won game one. It felt really good about things after the first game, and they didn't make it out of the first round. So I don't think there's any reason to panic. I, we've seen this team bounce back mid-game so many times this season, and, yeah, they weren't able to do it last night, but it's a playoffs. There's no reason to think they can't bounce back in game two. So I don't think there's anything to worry about. You know, if this continues the next game, then then maybe. But maybe this is just a wake-up call, realizing things that they need to clean up and get it done in game two. Yeah, and when you're looking at, like you said, the stars have to, you know, step up. Um, Connor McDavid, you know, they, they were down, and then you saw Connor McDavid do what Connor McDavid does, which is just skate fast. Again, I'm not a hockey guy. I just kind of watch the highlights, and I'm like, man, that's kind of impressive, you know, some of the things he can do with the puck. Um, you know, the stick handling, some of the, I, I hear the old fogies of hockey hating some of the moves these young guys are starting to do, like the, uh, I don't even know what it's called, but you pick it up and scoop it and throw it in. Um, so when you look at Connor McDavid doing that, who on the wild has to be the Connor McDavid in this next game on Wednesday? I think the easy choice, obviously, is Kirill Kaprizov because he does have the same type of skill level and star power that Connor McDavid has. Um, but Kevin Fiala is a big one, too. Mm -hmm. I've, I've never seen a player have such an incredible streak that we saw from Kevin Fiala in the last uh, 23, 24 games. Kevin Fiala, the, the way he stepped up his game you know, the last month or so of the season was just incredible. And we've always known that he has the ability to be a game changer. You know, he was always called a game breaker when he was brought in here. We definitely saw that last couple of weeks. That needs to carry over into the postseason. And I know that's always a question mark with players. You know, just because you had a great regular season doesn't mean that it's going to necessarily be there in the postseason. Um, but Kevin Fiala is such a great supporting cast member to Kirill Kaprizov. Those two are so dangerous that you have to get them going. However, you also can't just rely on those guys, right? If you look at some of the teams that have won the Stanley Cup over the last couple of years, yes, they have incredible talent on their top two lines, but you have to have your third and fourth lines stepping up as well. And obviously defense is a big part of it, you know, too, but 
the depth of the Minnesota Wild has been, I think, on a, a different level this season than we've seen in years past. We've seen guys like Brandon Duhame step up. Nick Bukestad the other day with his first power play goal in a couple of years. Um, that third line of Marcus Foligno, Jordan Greenway, and Jewel Erickson can be a huge factor in this matchup against the St. Louis Blues. So you need those guys to be those supporting guys and step up in potentially big moments. But yeah, I think the expectations for the Wilder that you're going to see the, you know, the best friend duo of Matt Zuccarello and Kirill Kaprizov shine the way that we have all season long. And that second line with Kevin Fiala and and Matt Boldy, the chemistry that they had instant, like just instantly, uh, was something that you don't see too often with somebody as young as Matt Boldy. The fact that Freddie Goudreau kind of gets overlooked on that line has been interesting because he's had such a great year that's kind of gone underappreciated. But that line would not be that line without Freddie Goudreau. So, um, you you know, you need all of these guys to step up in one way or another. And the reality is, is last night, just nobody could. And Aaron should say could. Yes, they ran into a hot goaltender. Um, but you just didn't see enough of the playmaking and the difference-making type play that we got used to, especially here in the last couple of weeks when the Wild were the hottest team in hockey since mid-March. So, again, no reason to panic. You get those two guys, Fiala and Kaprizov, going in game two. I think the Blues are going to have their hands full. And, and maybe they're going to come into this game being like, hey, game one was so easy. Maybe they'll, t you know, take things a little lightly in game two and maybe the Wild can make them pay for it. Yeah, let's hope so. Cause uh, yeah, we I don't think a two going down two zero. I mean, I know hockey's different because you, you still control the game. You still have to skate. Basketball seems like down two zero. It's pretty much over. Um, and so that's that's how I kind of make that mindset. Let's switch over to baseball. I could talk. I, I do want to give you props though. I make Mighty Ducks references all the time. Like. That's all I do. And people don't understand my jokes sometimes. And I'll bring up, like, I hope Dean Evison isn't over there with the blonde from Iceland, blah, blah. And some people get the joke. And, you know, and I'm like, I, I imagine Dean Evison coming in the locker room one day with slick back hair. And then all of a sudden he shows up with his Mighty Ducks coat on. And he's like, I'm back to the old me. And, and people think I'm serious. And I'm like, I hope you guys need, you guys need to rewatch the movie. Because I love, I love introducing my kids to it. Like, my daughters like it now. Um, they haven't gotten through the whole movie just yet. So I think one of these weekends or free, I, my plan is to get them to watch all, like from Mighty Ducks 1 all the way through, even though some of them get cheesy. Um, I even like the Disney version. Like, I don't know why. Like, I just, I like the Mighty Ducks. It's my, it's my hockey. That's the only hockey I know, though. But going into the Twins, 14 and 9. And so many people were down on the Twins until this big, you know, big time signing happened. You got Buxton uh, with Carrera and, and all of a sudden they're the bomb, the, the bomb brothers and they're just knocking it out the park. They're exciting. They're making plays. Um, they're leading the AL Central. But when you look at their next 28 games, and this is what's scary, the next 28 games are winnable. I mean, you got the Orioles, you got the A's, you got the Astros, you got the Guardians um, of Cleveland, now a new name. Um, you got the Oakland A's again. You got the Kansas City Royals. You got the Detroit Tigers. My Detroit Tigers, they suck though. But uh, you got the Kansas City Royals again and then the Detroit Tigers. So in those next 28, they can honestly go 14 and 14 and, you know, still have one of the best records out there. I'm not going to say they're going to go like, you know, 20 and 8 because that's crazy. But they can do it when you look at how bad the next 28 games of the teams they're playing as far as the Orioles in the basement, Tigers in the basement. How good can this Twins be? next 28 
Oh, it can be huge. I mean, just <laughs> hearing you rattle off those uh, those teams. Yeah, this is a potentially really important month. I almost compare it to like a GPA in college. Uh, yeah. You know, when people tell you if you can start out of the gate in college with a really good GPA, then, you know, when your classes get harder and you may get, you know, a D or a C, eh, okay, your GPA will take a little, a little bit of a hit. But it's not going to do that much damage. But if you start college with a bad GPA, it's really hard to get it back up there. So if you're the twins and you can take advantage of this month while you have, quote, an easy schedule or a favorable schedule, you have such such a comfort and a cushion heading into later in the season when you do take on some of these tougher teams. And let's be honest, there's going to be other teams that may may be off to a slow start right now. Look at the White Sox. I don't think anybody expected them to struggle um, kind of the way that they are right now. But if you can take advantage of this month, that's huge. And it's really weird still to hear people say the Guardians. Uh, that's probably going to throw me <laughs> off uh, the first time I work a Cleveland series. But, um, yeah, I think the Twins, uh, they've been really impressive. I'll be the first person, you know, I'll, I'll admit, I'm, I was right there uh, with concerns about the starting rotation. You bring in a couple guys like Sonny Gray and Chris Archer, who obviously are proven veterans, but they've, you know, had some down years. You know, Archers have had some injuries. Um, and... Then you look at the young guys they have in Joe Ryan and Bailey Ober, and you have an interesting mix there. You just never really know how it's going to play out. Well, here we are, and pitching has been the strength of this team, which I don't think a lot of people expected. So, yes, there were some concerns to see the offense kind of getting off to a uh, slow start, especially with Carlos Correa. You know, you bring him in here to be a big bat, and he was not that at the beginning of the season. But um, he's starting to heat up, which is awesome. Byron Buxton has been unbelievable Thankfully, he only missed the one game after taking the the pitch in his hand. Um, But now that things are kind of starting to click offensively and they still have this pitching that kind of came out of nowhere and has been so good, I think it's pretty exciting to see or to think about what this team could do uh, over the course of a long season. But, yeah, specifically this month, if you can walk away, you know, winning a good majority of those games, that that's going to be huge. Because even April, you know, they ended April with a twelve and nine record. It's not the greatest month we've ever seen them have, but it's one of their better months of April they had in the last couple of years. Um, and you know, suddenly you look back the first couple weeks of the season when it was ooh, a little dicey. You end April feeling pretty good about yourselves. Well, now May could be a huge month. You just have to take advantage and, and hopefully stay healthy. You know, it's always the the caveat. Um, but yeah, I think we could see some potentially pretty exciting baseball games mm-hmm. on the twin side. The opposition may not be the most exciting competition, but uh, there's a big opportunity in front of them for this team. And, and hopefully they do take advantage of it. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I love the GPA reference because that was me. I think I started, I looked at my transcripts because I had to, I was getting my MBA uh, last year. And so I had to get my transcripts from the U and started off with like a three, nine, three, eight, my freshman year. I graduated with a 3-4, and the reason, because my junior year, I absolutely airmailed. I mean, I had 1,100, I had like 1,200 yards receiving. I had like 70 catches, 11 touchdowns. I airmailed that year, because I'm like, you know what? Like, football is football. Like, And so I looked at that GP. I think I had like a two-something that, that, that season, and then the spring I picked it up. But thank God I started off with a 3839 because I was able to graduate with a 34. Because if I had not, like you said, if I started down and I had that terrible two seven year, I mean, I, who knows what my GPA would have been to graduate? But I had that I had a fluffer. So yeah, so you're right. So if 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 uh, if the twins do falter, 
They have built a little, and hopefully they can build a nice cushion this month because then if they falter, hey, all is not lost. People don't need to throw their tickets away that they bet in Vegas that the Twins would, you know, make the playoffs, whatever the prop bets they're making out there. Um, so let's have a fun. Last two. One, speaking of Vegas, you experienced the drink that I experienced when I, I called the, uh, I was on FS1 uh, and I did a couple games in Vegas and I called the Nevada game and I forgot who they were playing, but I, New Mexico State. And so I called the game. But I was told to go to this bar, secret drink. It was horrible. It's like eating a dandelion or something. And then you're like, oh, it's supposed to bring out the flavors. I look at Russo, and Russo has a terrible face. Anthony LaPanta has a face like, oh, this is okay. And I'm like, this is horrible. Why am I the only one? And then Russo, like, secretly is like, yeah, it is terrible. I'm like, thank God. I'm like, okay. Because I'm like, I don't want to offend anybody because the other people were like, oh, you got to try this. It was horrible. I saw your face. Um You've now been thrown into the power trip pitchers with Zach Halverson. What? <laughs> how, first of all, how did Kevin get that pitcher foulness? He's the wild play-by-play uh, -play guy every once in a while, and uh, he also does the fan line. How did yeah. he get that pitcher you in Vegas? I have no idea. Well, actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, so I posted the video of me trying that drink. Okay. I must have posted it on Twitter or on Instagram, and he – you know, you just took it. some green grabs or whatever. Yep. Cause um, yeah, I don't know if anybody's noticed this, but I'm a little animated of a person um, and my facial expressions, I guess can be pretty out there. And uh, so, yeah, he has like a whole slew of screen grabs from that video um, because yeah, I was not going to hide the fact that that, that flower, whatever yeah. thing that you eat, you're absolutely right. It tastes like a dandelion in the video. I said it, it tasted like I was grazing on my front lawn. Like it, yeah. just, it, it's so bad. And then all of a sudden this like weird sensation hits you where your tongue kind of starts going numb and tingling. And it feels like yes. you have like furry or like fuzz on your tongue, whatever. And then you taste the drink and you're like, okay, it does taste different. Um, right. Kind of sweet and has this little bit of a, you know, kick to it or whatever from what I remember. Um, but yeah, just the sensation of whatever that flower thing was. And if you can get through eating that, then, it, you know, you're on the home stretch, but it will so gross. Um, but yeah. And then, so now that has become the go-to pictures for <laughs> fullness and having all them, which is so bizarre. Uh, it's really annoying. I love them to death, but it's really <laughs> annoying when I'm trying to get stuff done. And then all of a sudden my phone starts buzzing or like, I'll open my phone. I'm like, Oh, I have like 20 new Twitter notifications. And then I open it up and all it is is pictures of Zach. And I'm like, really? Like, I, you know, I thought maybe I was getting like breaking news or like, you know, something really exciting. No, it's just pictures of, yeah. Yeah. I've learned it the hard I way. I'm, I'm hosting. I was going to say, I feel lucky to, you know, be included and um, invited to be part of that group. I'll take it as a, a compliment. They, maybe that means they kind of like me. I don't Or maybe it means they hate me and they just want to <laughs> torment me. I don't know. I can't figure it out yet. <laughs> yeah, they like, I mean, so Foulness messes with me because I play Wordle. Um, and so I, me, Lindsey Young from the Vikings, uh, Josh Robinson, former Vikings cornerback, a couple other uh like athletes. So I saw other people doing it and I was secretly, like I was secretly doing them and I wasn't like telling people what my score was. Cause I'm like, this is so nerdy. And then I see like other people doing it. So I'm like, screw it. I'm gonna start sharing mine too. Like, and so other players start saying, oh man, how'd you get into blah, blah. And so now Foulness likes to pick up every time I post it, he like tags some, I don't even know who this dude he's tagging. He's tagging somebody from like Fox. Then he's tagging, uh, meets up, you know? So I'm like, all right, fine. Yep. I play Wordle. I don't care. I'm a nerd. 
Um, so I'm hosting tomorrow, Power Trip, me and Foulness. So this should be fun because we're going to have some Aldridge stories, I'm guessing. Um, but you were on the Power Trip and you played the initials game. What happened? And were you surprised by like how smart Meat Sauce is? Uh, yeah, I was blown away by how smart Meat Sauce is. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Gosh, the initials game is so fun, but it just drives me crazy. I get such anxiety driving into the studio and just getting so worked up. I mean, the first time they invited me to play um, was uh, I don't know, a couple months ago at this point with the the all-female game, which was super fun. Um, but I, I could not sleep the night before. I kid you not. I was laying there like just picking random initials in my head and thinking, what are all the possibilities that it could be? Let's just say it's like, ct or whatever and yep. i couldn't sleep and i'm not a morning person so to be over there at 7 30 is brutal that that's the biggest challenge for me is to make sure i even wake up in time to get right. over there and then once i get there then i gotta worry about actually playing the game um but you know it's like you can listen at home or listen in your car and you know you know, get four of them right or feel really good about how you would do. And then you get there and you're <laughs> in the pressure of actually having the headset on and being mic'd up and uh, it's terrifying. And then you, you know, you hear the initials like the other day, the second game that I played, the initials were um, FR. And so I, for some reason, the first thing that popped into my head was free radicals and front runner. So then the whole game, I'm sitting there listening to the clues thinking like wondering ooh, could that be a free radical can that be front runner and then you just totally whiff on everything else that it could be and it is so frustrating when it, when you find out the answer and you're like how the heck did i not get that yep. and yeah I, hmm. one of these days i am i am so determined i'm going to win that game if it kills me but, I mean, I have five points in two games. I'll take that. That's not terrible. Okay, that's good. That's really good. I, I was worried that I was going to whiff on That's both really games, good. So, yeah, I'll take it. Well, I want to thank Audra Martin for joining the Ron Johnson Show. As we know now, her initials record is better than Adam Thielen. She's better than most of the Vikings players that have stepped into that arena. So we have to give her credit there. Um, she's better than most of the other personalities to get five points. I've seen everybody pretty much, besides Marnie now, getting zeros. I've gotten some points, but I have been shut out. Um, so it's not an easy game to play. Um, but up next, we got the daily three. That's three questions, three minutes, and we'll be back after this. Hey, do you want smart post-game reaction from insiders that cover your favorite teams? Check out our Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. Get instant reaction from our Locked On team hosts with prominent reporters like Kevin Gorg with the Wild, Brandon Warren with the Twins, and Chalanga Lankinson with the Timberwolves. No fluff, just 10 minutes of straight analysis after each game. Subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota on YouTube and never miss a podcast. Well, Coming up, as promised, is the Daily Three. That's three questions, three minutes. Sam, take it away. All right. You talked about it with Audra. The Minnesota Twins have won 10 of 11. They won 2-1 to one in Baltimore last night. Their starting pitching is remarkably number one in Major League Baseball. So, Ron, at what point do we start taking this team seriously? Um, hmm. Byron Buxton has to be in a bubble in order to keep up this pace. Like, he shouldn't drive. Um, he shouldn't make his own meals. 
Uh, I wouldn't even want him opening up a door just in case somebody slams the door on the other side and he smashes his finger and he's out four to six games because he has finger blood soreness and whatever. Um, <laughs> I mean, everything you can think of, like, I don't think he should fold clothes. I wouldn't have him bend over to do the laundry because of a lower back injury. I've hurt my, I mean, I'm 42. I'll be 42 in May this month. So I've hurt my back doing laundry. I know I have, I've bent over before and I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm, I can't bend. I got to squat. So when you look at Byron Bucks and you look at this Twins team, I think mid-May, so May 15th, um, I think it'd be time to start taking them serious. At May 15th, that will be the last game of the series against the Cleveland Guardians. And so when you think about that, the last series of the Cleveland Guardians, at that point, they would have played the Orioles, the A's, and the Astros, and then the Guardians to close out May 15th. That's halfway through the month of a 28-game kind of run. And I look at the next 28 games, um, and I mentioned this with Audra. They're winnable. I mean, everyone, like, uh, of course, like the White Sox, off to a bad start. But all the games are winnable. One, you create a culture of winning. When you win, like you, like you just said, they're on a 9-1 and one streak in the last 10. I love the last 10. And I personally never even realized the, the major leagues keep track of the last 10. Like, that's how they do it as well. But I'm a, I'm a fan of 10. I think 10 games in baseball is a good barometer. It gives you like a 16, you know, series breakup. 10 games, it happens 16 times, 162 games. And so when I look at that with the Twins, um, I don't really see a falter opportunity besides themselves. You know, I think early on we said – the offense is struggling, but it's probably going to get better. And I kind of think the opposite with the pitching. The pitching's really good right now, but I don't mm -hmm. know if they can sustain that. I feel like it's going to come back to the pack. So <laughs> can can the offense continue to produce even if the pitching regresses? Because it's not going to be this good all year. It, it can't be. Over 162 games, it will probably dial back a bit, um, and the Twins are going to need to hit. Yeah, well, May 15th, we'll see. <laughs> All right. Uh, football question. The Minnesota Vikings did not add any help at center in the draft. Mm -hmm. They didn't add any help in free agency. So seems like Garrett Bradbury is their choice to be the starting center without really any competition, unless there's a surprise in store from Quasi. Uh, was this an oversight on Quasi Adolfo Mensa's part not to at least bring in competition or depth uh, to back up or compete with Garrett Bradbury? I think a little bit. I think when you look at um, what they could have gotten in the first round, even with Linderbaum out of Iowa, but I just think of what they could have done. And you look at the free agent. So maybe there's a guard center guy and on, you know, that's already kind of, they've talked about this guy can play center. Uh, maybe there are some free agents out there unsigned because we know they're like with this new salary cap with this new, you know, the draft picks. Now you got to kind of, manage the cap, figure out how, you know, what's the most important rookies to sign and then who can we hold off on till, you know, till mini camp or training camp uh, when it matters most. And so normally you work backwards. Uh, you work from your seventh rounders up to your first rounder. Um, that way, you, you know, you can kind of, not to say pigeonhole your first rounder, but you can kind of say, hey, look, man, this is all we got left. Do you want to sign or do you want to play this game? Um, and so I, I do think it was a little bit of an oversight, though. I, I think they could have probably addressed the center position, at least to, to get Gary Bradbury going or, or mentally into it. This is one thing I do think, though. I think Kevin O'Connell said he watched film. We know that. He said he watched, you know, Kellerman film. He said So he's watched Vikings film. In his offense, maybe there's some things that are going to help the center 
a lot more as far as quarterback change of protect protection, quarterback being a go opposite, a uh, little guard help for the center uh, in the run game stuff. Same thing. Maybe there's going to be some guard center double teams versus guard tackle double teams in the traditional outside zone schemes. So we don't really know. I mean, we honestly, I have to go back and watch some Rams games just to see how the center played and some of the things they asked of him. Um, but yeah, Kevin O'Connell must know something we don't know because the scouts, you know, I talked to Ryan Monis and he told us that the coaches told us exactly what they want, what they're looking for. So maybe this is what the coaching staff wanted. They gave Quasey their, you know, thought and then they moved on. Yeah, I, I just think that the, the coaching staff must have a plan for one of these guards to to at least play a little bit of center because correct. I know I know they they signed an undrafted free agent who's a center, you know, probably unrealistic for him to even make the team. So they gotta have a backup. And I I don't know who it is at this point, but I, I imagine someone's gonna get converted. Not sure who never overlook the unsigned, you know, undrafted guy. Ryan Clark told you that yesterday. You never Hey, know. you're you're right. You're right. I shouldn't I shouldn't <laughs> you overestimate. never know. He's gonna he's gonna act like he belongs, but he's gonna what was the what was the line? He's gonna play like he belongs, but in his mind, he's gonna think that people don't think he belongs. Ryan Clark right, said act, it way yeah, better. in your mind, you act like you shouldn't be there, but then you play and you show up like you should be there. Yeah. Um, all right, we're we're short for time, so we're scrapping the bonus question. This is the last one. Grizzlies fell in game one against the Warriors on Sunday afternoon. Obviously, they knocked out the Timberwolves in six. Uh, but are the Grizzlies due for a letdown against Golden State, Ron, after that game one loss? Well, I think this thing, it's a 2-3 game. So you look at 2-3 seed, it's anybody's game. And it's the Warriors. That's the scariest team in the playoffs because of what Clay and Steph can do when they get going. Um, the one equalizer that Ja's going to figure out with the Warriors, and, and the people all, I saw the tweets about this, they're not going to make the mistakes down the stretch. Like, they're not the, the Timberwolves. They're not going to make those mistakes down the stretch where you can benefit from, you know, dumb plays, dumb shots. Like when it's a when it's a closeout situation, it's going to Claire Steph. Like now Jordan Poole has earned the right to take some of the, but it's going to Claire Steph. Like unless Jordan, unless they double team both Clay and Steph and they leave Draymond and you know wide open and Jordan Poole with one guy on them because they need a three. So they're like, if Draymond takes a wide open three, fine. Um, I don't see that, you know, I don't see the Warriors making mistakes. I've watched them a lot. I love the way Steph plays. I love his energy. Um, he doesn't make mistakes. Like, that's the thing. They don't miss free throws. They don't pass the ball to the wrong guy to start a game. Like, they start the game with, if Steph, and that's if Steph comes off the bench or not, they start the game with Steph. You know, if he's coming off the bench, then they start with their set. They're going to get Jordan Poole to get, you know, pick and roll with, with Clay or Draymond, and then they're going to dump it in, and then they're going to kick it back out, and they're going to swing it, swing it. Andrew Wiggins might get a dunk on somebody, or he's kicking it back out, knock down a three. That offense is poetry in motion. And so I, I don't think it was a letdown. I just think they got beat. John Morant didn't miss the layup at the end. Um, so it, it's close. It's not like there's a blowout happening. Um, but I do I do realize Memphis now knows, you know, defensively, too. Like we saw that same exact play where Anthony uh, Edwards trailed. What did Clay do? Uh -uh. I'm not getting out your way. I'm going to be in front of you. You're going to have to make a tough layup. And so that's what you saw the difference in just the Clay Thompson lockdown defense mindset and the Anthony Edwards even saying it. I, I went I tried too hard in that moment. I should have just stayed in front, forced him to beat me off the dribble and maybe take an ill-advised jumper. Uh, to close the game out and that's that's where that's the big difference in the Warriors when you look at the 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 experience 
that they have and the way Clay can just turn it on when he wants and the way Steph can put up 15 points, you know, in five minutes if you leave him go if he gets going. Um, and Jordan Pooge has been a nice addition to, to their to their twosome uh, to make it kind of the three way splash brothers. So it's 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 fun to watch, but it's going to be a good series. I don't I don't think Memphis is over. I don't think they've given up. I just think they realize like, man, it's not as easy as we thought because, um, you know, John Morant was all that, you know, key, you know, don't don't come on our side now because we're winning. Let's see how he acts now. You know, let's see how he acts in game two. Um, if the if the Warriors go up 2-0, I think it's over. Uh, it's going to be tough for them mentally to come back, and we know the Warriors, you know, the only time the Warriors have done that is against LeBron being down, being up 3-1 and gave it up. So that's my thought. Yeah, going back to Golden State, if they're up 2-0, it's over. And they show the Timberwolves how you finish the game. Big shot made on offense by Thompson. Great defense on the final possession on Ja. Timberwolves yeah. just couldn't do that. Yeah, well, that'll do it for the Ron Johnson Show. I want to thank Audra Martin for joining us. Sam Ekstrom always on the ones and twos. And I'm your host, Ron Johnson. Please make sure you subscribe to the Ron Johnson Show on YouTube. Just search Locked On Sports Minnesota, and you'll be able to follow us and subscribe and get every time a show is uploaded. And then also you can download and take us wherever you get your podcast, wherever you want, whenever you want. Take care.